The text for this morning's service is from 1 John 2, verse 20 and verse 27. Let's read that once again. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. After the sermon, we will sing from hymn 50, the stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, this morning we have in front of us six men who are about to be ordained. But and before we do that, they first have to answer some questions. The first question they have to answer is whether or not they feel in their hearts that God himself, through his congregation, has called them to these offices. How do these brothers know? How do they know that their hearts are telling them the right things? Does the Lord Jesus himself not say that from our corrupt hearts come evil thoughts and that the heart is corrupt above all things? You may say, well, the congregation also has to be involved. It's not just their own opinion that counts. And that's true. But how do we know that the congregation is right about who should be an office bearer and who should not? The congregation is made up of people, and people make mistakes. People often look at outward things. They look, for example, at how successful someone is, or how well someone dresses, or how well he has his family under control, etc. But that's only what you see on the surface. It's a subjective opinion. When I went to seminary many years ago, I had a friend who was also convinced that he should be a minister. Many other people thought that about him as well. He felt it in his heart. He felt that God spoke to him and told him to be a preacher. And so he quit his job and studied for four years at the university. And then he sold everything he had and studied another four years at the theological seminary in Hamilton to become a minister. But after he had been a minister for only a short while, he quit. He no longer felt the call in his heart. He was disappointed with the sins of the people. And that happens more often. Men aspire to the office of elder or deacon or minister, and even though a lot of work and preparation has been done, they either do not become one for whatever reason, or they do not finish their term of office. And so what gives? How do you know what God wants in your life? And this question is important not only for those who aspire to the office of elder or deacon or minister, but to all of us. 
Sometimes we think that God wants us to go down a certain road, but then that road is blocked. We are convinced that God wanted us to take a certain direction and to take up an important task, but then it doesn't happen. We prayed about it and got on our knees and implored God to show us the way, and we think that we have received the answer, but in the end it was clear that we were wrong. God had a different plan for us. How do we know what God wants? How do we know the truth? Well, that's where the text for this morning's Pentecostal ordination sermon comes in. For it says there that you have received the anointing from the Holy One, and that the anointing teaches you about all things. He teaches you the truth. As a matter of fact, it even says that once you have that anointing, you do not even need anyone to teach you. How can that be? Well, that's what I will preach to you about this morning. The theme is as follows. The Holy Spirit teaches you about all things. He teaches you in the first place about the ungodly lie, in the second place the divine truth, and then finally the real anointing. The Holy Spirit teaches us about all things. How does he do that? Does he give us direct messages just like he did to Paul and the other apostles? Most charismatic and evangelical churches believe that he does. Charismatics generally believe that after you convert to Christianity, that then you must diligently seek after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Once you receive that baptism, then you will be able to do all kinds of spectacular things, such as speaking in tongues and having various kinds of visions and direct communications from God who will tell you what to do. If you do not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you are considered to be still immature in your faith. Then you're still not a complete Christian. For then you're still carnal. That is to say, then you are still too much attached to, to the flesh. And then you do not yet have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Charismatics want to spiritualize things. And they are in competition with one another to show which person is more spiritual than the other. And the more you are able to speak in tongues and have direct visions from God and communications from him, the more spiritual you are and the more you are to be admired. And so in reality, it is a man-centered theology. It leads to all kinds of heresies. And that kind of thing also went on during the days of John. There were some people who wanted to spiritualize things. And they held some funny teachings about the Lord Jesus. We do not know exactly what these teachings were, for John doesn't exactly tell us. But we do know that there were some in those days who held an early, early form of docetism. It is likely, as many commentators agree, that John, in speaking about the Antichrist, refers to them. Docetists believe that Jesus was a man in the flesh, 
but that Christ was a separate entity, who at the time of his baptism entered Jesus' body in the form of a dove, and that it was Christ who empowered the man Jesus to perform miracles, and then that Christ abandoned Jesus at the time of his death on the cross. That was one form of docetism. There were other forms as well, and they all kind of teach these kinds of things. But you see what they're doing, don't you? They somehow confuse the three persons of the Trinity and the two natures of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they come up as something they themselves made up. They don't get this from the Bible, but they get it from their own fertile imagination. It was in accordance with the philosophies of that day. And in this way, they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why John calls them antichrists. And not only did they deny the Son of God, but as it says in verse 23, they denied the Father also. For if you deny the Son, then you also deny the Father. And for that matter, also the Holy Spirit. For you cannot separate those three. So ultimately, it is a denial of God. You deny the truth of God and proclaim a falsehood when you say that God speaks through you when in reality he doesn't. How do you know what is true? And what is false? Well, we read from Deuteronomy 18. There the Lord God said that if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that then that is a message the Lord himself has not spoken. And the Lord God takes that so seriously that a man who proclaims such a falsehood that the Lord has not spoken, that such a man must even be put to death. Many people say many things about who God is and what he does in them and through them. That's been going on ever since the fall into sin. They say that God speaks to them or through them. They come with a different message than God. Cain did that already after he murdered his brother Abel. He proclaimed a falsehood when he said that he wasn't his brother's keeper. As if that's how God ordained it. Each man to himself. That's how he justified himself. In this sense, he was a spiritual child of the serpent who also put words in the mouth of God. God didn't really say that you couldn't eat of that tree? Let me tell you what he really said. And then Satan came with his own self-serving statement purportedly from God. Man always wants to go beyond the Bible, beyond what God says. And that's also how Satan tempted the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the desert. He quoted scripture even to convince the Lord Jesus that he must serve Satan. So, how do the readers, how do we 
know the truth about God. Second point. The only way that they and we can know about him is first of all through his word. God reveals himself in the Bible. For the recipients of this letter, that meant the Old Testament. For they did not yet have the New Testament writings. And so how did they know the truth about Jesus as the Son of God? The only way they would know that would be through the prophecies of the Old Testament and what the prophets foretold about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the coming Messiah. And they had to carefully study the scriptures to see whether or not those prophecies are being fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. For you see, everything is tested by the word of God. And it is clear from the scriptures that from the very beginning, God's word pointed in every way to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, then the only way you can find the truth is through the Bible. There is no other way. You have to study God's word. Don't come with your own opinions. How else did these early readers know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the apostle John had been a witness of all that the Lord Jesus had said and done. And he told the recipients of this letter about all those things. He told them the words of Christ. He told them what he did. He told them also how he showed him to be the giver, the God of life. John had been a witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and to his ascension. And he had told these people about all those things. And therefore now they know the truth. They didn't receive that through a separate revelation like some lightning bolt from the sky. They had God's word as he revealed himself in the Old Testament and as he reveals himself through the words that the apostles spoke to them. And the same thing is true for us today. Listen to what God himself says about his word. Paul, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit, says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 and 16, he says to him, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then comes a very important sentence. Listen carefully. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Oh yes, Paul received revelation directly from God. God met him on the road to Damascus. But when he did, he struck him blind. 
It was an overwhelming experience for him. He didn't just speak to him as he was shaving in the morning, buddy to buddy, because that's how a well-known charismatic leader says God speaks to him, just comes to him, just gives him exactly to know what's going to take place, what he must do. No, for Paul, this was a momentous event. God spoke also directly to Moses in the burning bush. And when he did, God told him that he had better take off his shoes because he was treading on holy ground. And God also spoke directly to his people Israel. But they were so traumatized by it because of the overwhelming experience that they asked God no longer speak to them directly in this way, but to speak to them through the prophets. We just read that in Deuteronomy 18. And that's what God did. He spoke to them through the prophets. He spoke to these men directly so that we can have God's word today. But what we have now is sufficient. As Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed. And Peter also makes that abundantly clear in his second letter. He says in 2 Peter 1 verse 21, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Only when you have God's word do you have the truth, divine truth. Now you know you, that you don't know the truth from those false prophets that John refers to in his letter. Those people were telling lies about the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore they were telling lies about the Lord God himself. That revelation did not come from God. They made that stuff up about him. Don't listen to them, John says. Don't let them teach you. You know all things. You know the truth. You don't need anyone else to teach you. That doesn't mean, of course, that they don't need to be taught. Of course they do. Learning is a lifelong process. Learning about God is also a lifelong process. But you have to learn it from the Bible. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Bible. You don't learn it from false teachers. If you want to learn about God, then you learn it from his word. Now you don't come to people who come to you with their own opinions, with things they make up in their own minds. For you cannot learn the truth except from God. He reveals all things necessary for you to know God is truth. And the truth originates with him. The psalmist says in Psalm 43 that God is his stronghold. And therefore he cries out to him in verse 3, Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, 
to the place where you dwell. John himself identifies the Lord Jesus Christ as the truth. For he says further on in his letter, chapter 5, verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And now John says that we have the anointing from the Holy One. It's the third point. Who's the Holy One? You would think that that refers to the Holy Spirit. However, John does not specifically state that. He uses more general terminology, Holy One. Because John is referring here to the triune God. They have the anointing from God who is the embodiment of the truth. And we all know what anointing refers to. We have the beautiful answer in Heidelberg Catechism where we confess in response to the question why we're called Christians, that we have been anointed by the Holy Spirit through faith to be members of Christ. We belong to the triune God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have all been anointed to be prophets, priests, and kings. And so those brothers who are about to be ordained as office bearers are not the only ones who know the truth about all things. We all do. The anointing applies to all of us. And it is real because it is from God. For you see, all of us have been told the truth, haven't we? All of us have been told about God, about who he is. God has told that from his word, and you have been instructed from his word. You have been brought up with the knowledge about God. Most of you here in the pew have been told about God since you were little children. But you were told the truth on the basis of what? On the basis of the Bible. And you see, that is what we do here in this Reformed church. We explain Scripture. On this pulpit, the minister does not come with his own opinions. He doesn't come with his own experiences either. And with funny stories. He doesn't talk to you about any visions that he might have had directly from God. No, he tells you about God, what he tells you in his word. And what does he tell you? He tells you what it says in the Bible. No more and no less. He doesn't tell you exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, because we don't know that. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know whether we're going to live or to die. We don't know whether or not we're going to get sick or whether or not some other calamity is going to come upon us. There are many things we don't know. Don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know what twists or turns our life is going to take. And God doesn't want you to know these things. And those things belong to the secret counsel of God. 
what then does he want you to know? He wants you to know what his will is. He wants you to know how to conduct yourself as a child of God, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. He wants you to know what God is doing with his whole creation of which you are an integral part. For he is going to bring this creation to a glorious end. And only those who believe in him through his word will share in the glory of that end. We don't know when the end is going to come, but we do know it's coming. We do know those things. And those things we can and must proclaim. He wants us to trust in him in all our undertakings and bring glory to his name. For you see, God is in control of this world. And he is in control of your life. And he is leading your life. The six brothers in front of us here have been duly elected by the church. They already have the office of every believer as prophet, priest, and king. But now they're going to be ordained in the special office in this church. How did that happen? Well, that happened by applying biblical principles. That happened by looking at the Bible to see what God wants from the leadership in the church. And it is for that reason that now these brothers can also feel in their hearts that they have been chosen by God. For it has been done in accordance with the word of God. It is done with the Bible in hand. But when an office bearer walks away from his office because he is disappointed in other people's sins and can't deal with them, or because he disagrees with the doctrinal standards of this church, or because, may God forbid, he no longer believes, well, then that's not done with the Bible in hand. Then such a person did not really feel that in his heart in the first place, because his heart is then not in tune with the word of God. Everything is tested by the word of God. And that is why they also have to answer some other questions as part of their ordination. They have to answer the question whether or not they believe the Old and the New Testament to be the only word of God and the complete doctrine of salvation. And they have to promise that they are going to reject all doctrines that conflict with it. Brothers and sisters, the church, this church is based on the word of God. We don't take our marching orders from anyone else. We don't take our marching orders from synods or councils or a pope. No, it is based on the word of God alone, not on man's opinions or additional pronouncements. And brothers and sisters, that is the only way that we can be blessed here in this church. God's word is the only standard of the truth. There is no other truth. And only God's truth 
can defeat Satan, the lie of Satan. Satan wants to rule here in this church. Make no mistake about it. He wants to rule your hearts. He wants to conquer your hearts. My heart. He wants us to go against his word. And he uses many different ways of trying to bring that about. By making you angry about things. Like you shouldn't be about. Or by subtly changing his word. There are so many ways that Satan is trying to destroy us. Brothers and sisters. Remain in him. Brothers, remain in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be constantly on our guard and that we allow God to speak to us and not the devil. And that means diligence. That means being constantly on the lookout for falsehoods. And that is why we can be so thankful that we have office bearers in place who want to apply God's truth in their lives and in your lives. It's only in that way that all of us can experience God's blessing. May God be with these brothers and with all of us as we submit ourselves to his word and his word alone. Amen.